Take Your Profit First, Episode 16. Are you ready to make your law firm a profit-generating machine that will free up your time and skyrocket your impact? With more than two decades of business growth experience and having proven that you can be successful while prioritizing your family and your impact, introducing the Profit with Law podcast. I am your host, the creator of the firm differentiator 10x effect, Moshe Amsel. Welcome to another episode of Profit with Law. I am your host, Moshe Amsel, and we are back. I don't know if you noticed, but if you're an avid listener, you might have noticed that last week we did not have an episode come out, and that is not what I intended to do. Uh, My intention is to have a fresh, brand new episode for you every single week. But I had the opportunity to be in Dallas, Texas, uh, working on a project that was very lucrative uh, for my business. And it really, it actually tied us up here for a few weeks and finishing off in Dallas, uh, where I just didn't get the chance to record an episode as much as I wanted to. um, It just didn't happen. And I don't want to come here and make excuses. That's not the intention. But I did want to bring bring out some of the lessons learned from this experience. And I have two uh, lessons that I think are worth sharing here on this podcast. Uh, So number one, I need to be more intentional and do more advanced planning with this podcast. I knew going into it when we started the podcast that this could be a struggle. This is not my first podcast. And if you ever look in the iTunes app for a podcast called Dream Builder Financial, three separate words, uh, you will find another podcast that I am the host of. And if you look there, you'll see that I have a total of, I don't know, seven or eight episodes. And um, those episodes span a two-year time frame. And I struggled. I struggled terribly with being able to commit and stay committed to producing episodes for that show. So when I decided to start this one, uh, I decided I was going to do it differently. And I had a number of episodes queued up at the at the onset when I launched it, and then have constantly tried to stay ahead of the curve and just have episodes queued up so that uh, I wouldn't get into this in this situation. So the first lesson is when you have something that you want to be consistent with, that you want to um, give your full commitment to, you need to be very strategic and very thought out and planned out to make sure that you don't renege on that promise. And um, I failed to do that in this case, and I'm going to just strive to be better. I'm a human being, and this is just another another lesson learned for me, uh, which I've already learned in the past, and I just need to, It's I'm still getting better at it. So that is number one. Number two is the opposite side of the coin, and that is that everything that we do, we probably think is crucial. And sometimes we have to choose A or B. We can't do them both. 
And in this case, marketing is crucial. The lifeblood of my business, um, where my future business comes from, is from my marketing efforts. However, the marketing alone is not what generates the revenue in my business. It's the services that we provide that generate the revenue in my business. So given an opportunity to work really, really hard on a project and get paid really, really nicely for it, and as a result, need to sacrifice one week of my marketing efforts, to me, that's an easy decision. And I didn't have to be in that place to make that decision as I covered in the first lesson. But when we're faced with something like this, imagine if I said, no, I have to do this podcast episode recording and I chose to shave a few hours off of that project and therefore the quality of that project was decreased or I couldn't deliver on that project or if I was getting paid by the hour, I now lost hours and hours of work um, in order to make this happen. So again, we have to prioritize and at, at the end of the day, the, the activity that is going to generate immediate income, revenue, cash to the business is almost always going to win. So that's enough of that. Let's jump into, oh my goodness, what is going on in my personal life? I have not done this yet on this podcast, and I want to share more about what's going on here for me. And I think that it will help you get an insight as to the fact that I'm a person just like you are. So first of all, May and June are birthday months for me here. Not for me personally, but uh, I have uh, four of my five children have birthdays in May and June. And we just went through a two-week sprint where first I have a daughter that turned 18. She's graduating high school. We're so very proud of her. And we celebrated her birthday by going to a restaurant in Manhattan, uh, which I mentioned briefly in next the next episode, episode 17, that'll come out shortly uh, with a bonus interview that we did. So I shared some of that experience there, uh, but that was exciting. And then my baby, my youngest daughter, turned two. And what's interesting is, is that her birthday party was the day before the Dallas trip. So I was supposed to actually leave to Dallas Sunday night, but her birthday is Sunday afternoon at 1.30, flying out at 8.30, meaning I have to leave my house by 6, 6.30 to get to the airport in time, really was cutting it tight. So instead, I opted to take the first flight out in the morning out of Newark Airport, and that flight left at 5, which means that I was leaving my house at 3 a.m. So you can only imagine what my Sunday going into Monday looked like. But she turned to, and uh, we had a wonderful party, and I love doing parties at the house as opposed to renting um, a place somewhere. A lot, of, uh, a lot of the parties we attend are at these various um, establishments that have kid activities. I love hosting parties at the house. I love when my guests can stay as long as they want, and um, we can just keep going for hours and just enjoying each other's company. And of course, we bring in uh, some sort of appropriate entertainment for the the young children. Um, and then next, my um, oldest daughter turned 20. 
So I, in the one of the first episodes of this podcast, I told you a little bit about myself, but I've got uh, the older kids and I've got the younger kids. So my oldest turned 20. I'm really proud of her. She's a college student and she also works here at the business um, with me. And and that's an extremely enjoyable experience. So we had all these birthdays going on, which is keeps us on our toes and is extremely exciting. And then my wife and I are looking forward to a vacation. Now, some people might not call this a vacation because we're taking our three-year-old son and two-year-old daughter with us, but we are heading on a cruise out of New York and going to be visiting Bermuda and Grand Turk, and I um, cannot be more excited. We love cruising. We've been on quite a few of them. I think this will be our ninth cruise together. Um, I'm not sure. I would have to sit and count and make sure that I got that number right. But we really love cruising. There's some people would disagree. Some people like all inclusive resorts, but there's nothing like getting onto a moving hotel that has all of the food, drinks and uh, uh, shows and comedy and and access to casinos. And uh, and then it stops at these really exotic and great places where you can go visit. So I love cruising and I'm looking forward to that. And we're planning on batching a number of episodes here to make sure that you don't miss any uh, while I am out. So hopefully that'll all work out the way it's supposed to. And you guys will continue to be able to hear my voice even while I am writing the the waves. But why am I talking about uh, vacation? So other than sharing it with you, I'm not trying to brag or anything. The reason I'm sharing it with you is because I think vacations are really important. And I think that as business owners, as entrepreneurs, it's even harder to take that time off because uh, we don't get paid vacation, right? We're not, we're not being told you can take X number of days a year. And we get into this this zone where we think that we can't leave. Um, either if you're a solo attorney, you might think I can't leave because I'm billing for my time. If I'm not working, then I'm not earning money. So that's a very real um, situation. The second scenario would be where you have staff, but you haven't grown to the point where the staff is operating independent of you. So therefore, you're concerned that if you're gone for a period of time, that the staff, not only will you have to pay the staff while you're gone, but you'll, but they might not be as productive as they should be because you're not there to oversee them. Um, and then finally, if you do have staff that is doing the job, your role is probably that of bringing a new business and all kinds of other things. And then it just becomes very difficult to find the right time to be able to pause whatever efforts that, that you're making to be able to go and take that vacation. However, taking that time gives us a few different things. Number one, it helps us with our personal mental state. There's only so much time that we can be we could be on that we can have that switch turned on and we can be chugging along and moving forward and be absolutely productive. And at some point that starts to wane and that starts to to tire. And if we don't take time to recharge, um, then our own efforts, our own 
uh, production is going to is going to diminish. It's going to become uh, weaker and less productive, and the results will be obvious in our business. So we'll end up working harder to achieve less results. So take if you think about it that way, then taking that time to reset your personal mental state and to reinvigorate yourself, that is actually part of building your practice. That's part of building your business. The second piece is quality family time. And whether you're a family of one or you have a spouse or you have a spouse and kids, um, taking time and spending time with your loved ones, and even if that loved one is just you, spending time with your loved ones is part of why we do this, right? And if not all of why we do this. And if we can't take that time to spend with them, we're losing an opportunity. You don't know, and I don't want to be, I don't want to be negative in any way, but we, we don't know how long we're each going to live our life. With our kids, we know that there's a, a ticking time limit on when they're going to be home before they become adults and move out and start living their own life. So our opportunities are always quickly evaporating. And if we don't take intentional time to spend with our loved ones, then we are going to lose that opportunity that we have. So it's really important to make sure to calendar that in, make the decision that you're going. Um, The way I love to do this is I choose a date. I choose the thing that looks good for me. In my case, I choose the cruise that looks good for us. There has the right itinerary, has a date that looks good. And then I buy it and I put it on the calendar. And when that date comes, we're getting on the boat, whether we're ready or not. So we have that time period to get ready and to be prepared to uh, to set on our set out on our journey. Okay, enough about all of the stuff that's going on with me. Let me jump into today's topic. And I titled this episode, Take Your Profit First. And some of you may recognize the words profit first. There's actually a book by Mike Michalowicz called Profit First. And really, today's episode, as well as um, not the next episode, which is a bonus, but next week's episode, are going to be delving into the details of that book, The Profit First System. Um, so we're, I'm going to set it up today with explaining what the problem is and the, the crux of his solution. And then next week, I'm going to go into the details of how to actually um, implement this in your firm. I am a Profit First professional. I've been associated with the Profit First organization for two years, uh, maybe a little bit more than two years. And uh, their office is not far from me, so I I, I know and and have sat with uh, Mike Michalowicz per, uh, personally, as well as Ron Saharian, who's running his Profit First professional side of the business, um, and their other team members there. So, um, everything that I'm going to share with you, I've not only read in the book, but I've also been trained personally by his staff to help businesses with implementing the system and um, and have a very deep and thorough understanding with it. So let me try to jump into this and, and explain it to you in as easy and simple a way that, it, that, that I can 
to help you understand it. I'm going to start off with a question, and that is, what is profit? And I, I believe I covered this in a previous episode uh, when we compare profit to owner's pay. But I'm going to cover it again. And um, you'll probably hear me cover it again over time because this one thing is such a misconception that understanding that and really focusing on that is going to be a game changer for you. And that is when you're a business owner, when you own your own law firm, you generally are going to be working in that firm, right? Usually you're starting as a solo and you're the only person working in the firm. And then the goal is to build it to the point where everyone else is doing the work and you're just reaping the rewards. So there's two different forms of compensation you can receive when you are a owner operator. And I'm putting that in quotes. You can't see my fingers now, but air quotes, owner operator versus an owner. Okay. So the profit is the money that is left over after the business has paid all of its expenses and whatever um, income it generated is not earmarked for future investment into the business would be the profit that can be distributed to you as the owner as a profit distribution. Now, obviously, um, if you have money that you're reinvesting in the firm, that technically is also profit. But for this discussion, I'm going to talk about the profit that you are going to be taking home from the business. And then the owner's pay is the amount of money that you get paid for doing the work that you're doing in the firm. So if you are acting as an attorney, it's the money that you get paid for being an attorney in the firm. If you are a... um, If you are just doing sales, then it would be what you're getting compensated for being the salesperson in the firm. Uh, If you are just running the firm, then basically you'd be getting paid for being an operations manager in the firm. And if you're doing all the above, you're getting paid for all the above. So how do we differentiate between profit and owner's pay? Well, let me give you an example you're all familiar with the stock market. If you were to go to the stock market and purchase, say, 100 shares of Apple, well, now you're an owner of Apple. You own 100 shares. You own a very, very small fraction of a percentage of the company, but you own Apple. And when Apple pays a dividend, you get that dividend whether you ever stepped foot into an Apple store an Apple corporate office, um, whether you even own an Apple device. It's irrelevant because you are an owner of the the company. When they distribute profit as a dividend, you receive that. You receive that dividend because you are an owner. You had to do zero work for the company. There was no effort involved. There was no... As a matter of fact, if you were to show up and say, hey, I'm here. I'm here to, to, to do my job. You're not an employee. You haven't been hired there, right? So even the fact that you own Apple shares does not mean that you get to show up and work. At the same time, if you were hired as an employee at Apple, you'd get paid a salary for the work that you were doing, and you don't necessarily have to own Apple shares to work there. Now, many 
public companies have programs to make their employees owners and give them stock as part of their um, compensation. But that's not what I'm referring to. So, But there's no requirement to be an Apple shareholder when you get hired, and there's no requirement to stay an Apple shareholder to be an employee there. So these two are completely independent. And another great way to look at this is if, let's say you were going to turn around and sell your law firm. When they go to value your firm, anybody who's going to buy it, when they go to value your firm, they're going to look at it and they're going to say, okay, you're producing $100,000 of profit a year. However, you're working in the firm. So if I were to have to go hire somebody to replace you and that person doing the same functions that you're doing, I'm going to have to pay $80,000 to. Now that 100000 instead of it looking like you're a $100,000 profitable firm, you're only a $20,000 profitable firm because Eighty thousand is is your salary. Eighty thousand is your owner's pay. Twenty thousand is your profit, and obviously that is going to deeply decrease the value that you might have thought your firm was worth. I don't want to get into firm valuation on this episode. That's completely not where I'm heading. Um, but I did want to differentiate between what is profit and what is owner's pay. Um, so I went through explaining that through stock ownership and also through valuing your business. Now, another way to look at it, profit is the reason for owning a business. When you started your law firm, did you say, geez, how can I get a job where I am my own boss and uh, but I still am a, I'm still on salary and I still get vacation time and and that's it. Right. That that's not why you started your firm. You started your firm because you know that the sky's the limit that you can, based on your efforts, uh, create something much bigger than yourself by growing your law firm. So your reason for owning a business, your reason for starting a law firm is to create profits for yourself, not to create owner's pay. If it was to create owner's pay, if it was to create a paycheck, then basically it would just be a job. It's just a replacement of a job. And instead of reporting to someone else, you're reporting to yourself. So what's the problem that we have as law firm owners. What's the problem that we have as business owners? The problem that we have is we get into this situation where we don't have enough cash. And this can plague any size business. So I'm not just talking to solos. I'm not just talking to the $2 million, $3 million firm. It could be a $10 million firm. It could be a $100 million firm. At the end of the day, cash issues plague every business. And at some point, there's not enough cash. And some of them, it's a vicious cycle where we're constantly chasing the lack of cash. And we're moving money between personal accounts and business accounts and borrowing from this credit card to pay off that credit card. Um, So many of my clients have been worried every two weeks. How am I going to make payroll? And they're trying to move things around. Um, you know, can I figure out how to, you know, 
quickly bill somebody who I normally wouldn't bill except once a month, but now I'm going to bill them every three days because I'm trying to bring up, bring in the cash that I need. The, the cash is in a trust account, so now I can only take it if I did the work. So now we're going to push our staff to increase the billing, uh, You know, do the invoice cycle earlier so that we can take that cash out, and so on and so forth. This is the problem. The problem is that we're cash poor, right? And what that, the way that that ultimately manifests itself is that law firm owners tend to pay themselves too little. So first of all, you pay yourselves too little on the owner's pay side. So you should be, for the effort that you're putting in, you should be compensated more than you're being compensated, period. I don't care what it is. I'm sure that when you're listening to this, you know for the effort you're being you're putting in, you should be compensated more than you're getting. Now, some of you have $100,000 a year of revenue and are barely bringing any money home. Some of you have a quarter million dollars of revenue and are bringing home 60000 a year as, as your salary, Right. Um, that's not enough. So it's not, not only do we have cash issues in the firm, but we're not bringing home enough money just to live our lives and just to feel comfortable and be happy. And then on top of that, are you taking a profit? Are you distributing a profit from the business to yourself? Yes or no? Most people listening to this are going to answer no to that question. And that is the problem. Now, you can argue that, I mean, look at the publicly traded companies. Look at Facebook. It's a growth company. They don't pay a dividend. So somebody who owns it never takes a, never, never takes a profit because they're focusing on growing the value of the company. Yes, that may be the case. But... You're not Facebook. And I did set set this up at the beginning that when I say taking home profit, I mean after reinvesting money in the business. But let me ask you this. Are you reinvesting money in your business? Or are you just spending money to just keep afloat? Are you actively taking money, let's say $10,000 that you say, okay, I've got $10,000 excess right now. And I'm going to make the decision to take this $10,000 and put it towards this marketing campaign to grow business. Or I'm going to take this money and put it towards hiring that next person to grow my law firm. Chances are you're not doing that. So why does this happen? How do we end up in this cycle of cash poor, being cash poor? How, how, do, how do we get to this situation? And the answer is a few different things. But at the end of the day, it's simple human nature. What happens is, is we as human beings tend to do what Mike Michalowicz likes to call bank balance accounting. We wake up in the morning, we take out our phone, we log into the bank account, and make sure it's not negative. You do this in your personal account and you do it in your business account. And when you log in, one of three things happens. Either it's gone negative 
and now we have to figure out how to get it positive before 11 o'clock or whatever the time is for your bank so that you don't get hit with it penalty uh, for overdrawing or worse, bounce something, get something returned, which is going to cost you fees and also look bad and means means that you need to then pay that vendor again or watch out for that, that check coming through again. That's option number one. Option number two is you log in and okay, it's not negative, but there's barely any money there. And we got to figure out how to scrounge around and how to do some extra work and how to make things happen in order to get the money that we know we're going to need. Option number three is you log in and there's a decent amount of cash in that bank account. And now this is where Parkinson's law comes in. Parkinson's law states that given a finite resource, our needs for that resource will increase to occupy the entire resource. So what happens is, is that when we see that we have $10,000 in that bank account, somehow we're going to find $10,000 worth of things to spend on to deplete that account back down to zero. And this is human nature. This is something that is going to happen whether you like it or not because you're human. And therefore, we have to come up with something. We have to come up with a system that's going to overcome this. You're not broken. You're not bad at managing money. We tell ourselves stories all the time of, oh, I'm not good with money. I don't, under I don't know how to do this. I can't budget. I can't. Budgeting is not the answer. Creating a business plan is not, by itself is not the answer. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through each of these. But... Just look in the mirror and say, okay, I am a human being and this is normal. And if I can accept that this is normal, then we can fix it. Not by changing ourselves, but by embracing ourselves. So how does this work? Well, the solution is not to create a business plan that's going to end up in a drawer collecting dust, which you may or may not have done at some point in your law firm's existence. It's not to create a budget. Although these things are important. Having a business plan is important and I'm going to have episodes I'm sure where I'll talk about it and I'll explain how important it is. And having a budget's important and I I'm sure I'm going to have episodes to talk about that and explain how important that is. So I'm not poo-pooing having a business plan or creating a budget. But these are not going to solve your cash problems by themselves because the business plan is going to end up in a drawer collecting dust. You're going to write it. You're going to spend a ton of time on it and you're never going to look at it again because it by itself does not define anything. That bank balance when you sign in in the morning tells you what's going on. And if it's, if it's flashing a red emergency light, you're not looking at your business plan. You're looking at anything that's going to bring in a couple of dollars that's going to help you cover the shortfall that day. A budget? We deviate all the time from budgets. We just come up with an excuse. Oh, I don't need $2,500 for rent this month. We're going to change that to $2,000 a month. So we're in a lease for $2,500? Ah, who cares? Let's move this $500 because we need to purchase a computer today. 
and we're going to spend $500 on that computer. And when the rent comes due, oh, well, surprise, it actually is $2,500. We got to move something else around. And that's the game that we play. We play mindset games with ourselves if if you were you were um, disciplined enough to create a budget, chances are you're not sticking to the budget. Because if you were, you wouldn't have this this cash issue, right? So, um, but the reason budgets don't work by themselves is because it does not. It works against human nature. When we're trying to work against human nature, it takes extreme effort, extreme discipline to overcome that. So, how? What's the solution? How do we fix this? It's very simple. We take the profit first. It's so simple that it almost doesn't make sense, right? Well, if I didn't have enough money for it before, how am I going to have enough money for it now? Well, think about the 401k industry. You know, 50 years ago, it didn't exist. And um, people weren't capable of saving for retirement. Matter of fact, most companies offered a defined benefit plan so that you you did your time at one company. You never left, and then you retired from that company, and then you got a you got a pension from that company. Some of the government jobs still operate that way today, and there are some companies that still have a defined benefit plan and still have a um, a pension for their loyal staff who stay. Uh, but most of America today is saving for retirement using the 401k. Now, those same people who are putting money into the 401k, they did not have extra money before that. It's not like they were saving the money outside of a 401k, and now they've got a tax, tax savings vehicle, so they're putting it there instead. They weren't saving at all. The 401k industry, the 401k is actually, it's it's funny that it's called 401k. It's just... Um, a section of the tax code. Um, but for whatever reason, the, the, the number and letter of the section of the tax code it refers to is how it got named. But the genius of the idea that if you just take the money before it hits your bank account, you'll never miss it is amazing because it doesn't make any sense. But if you start to understand human nature, you understand that Parkinson's law, that's when you'll begin to understand that if you take it first and it's not there to use to begin with, you'll be able to have that profit. So there's a couple of things here. Uh, first of all, I want to give you an example of Parkinson's law that Mike Michalowicz uses, and I think it's it, it, A, it's funny, but B, it really hones in and helps you to understand this idea. So, you know, you brush your teeth, or at least you're supposed to, right? We're supposed to brush our teeth a couple of times a day. And toothpaste comes in a tube. And for the beginning use of the tube, when we're brushing our teeth, we open the cap and we lob on a nice big strip of toothpaste across the entire brush. And we do that all the way until we get towards the end of the tube. And when we get to the end of the tube, suddenly uh, we start to run out of toothpaste. And when we start to run out of toothpaste, we start to use only half a strip of toothpaste on the brush. 
and we start to eke out just a little bit, maybe the size of a pea, and we put that on the brush. And we get by with less and less toothpaste, yet we're still brushing our teeth. And that little bit of toothpaste is enough for us to effectively brush our teeth until obviously when it runs out and you need to replace the tube. But that is Parkinson's law in action. And that's exactly what we're talking about here. You only needed a small amount of the cash you were receiving to survive. But you had it all available to you, so you were using it all. When the 401k took some of that out, you still were able to brush your teeth. You still were able to survive. You still were able to buy your groceries with the cash that was left. You just had to make other decisions. For example, maybe not go to the restaurant one more time. Or um, maybe purchase a vehicle that was a slightly lower monthly payment than the one that you were signing up for. But you make those decisions because now you know what your net result of your paycheck is after the 401k comes out of it. And people don't walk around thinking, oh, I'm taking out $200 a paycheck of my four, for my 401k. I want to buy a car. Let me undo that. Let me, let me turn my 401k off so I can afford to buy this car. It's not that they're not, it's not that they're not smart enough to think that. It's that if it's not there, we're not realizing that, that, that it's happening. So that's a, a very important concept to understand that we can pay ourselves first. We can take it out of the equation and then we're not fighting human nature. We can still look at what's left and operate from there without a lack that we've taken that profit first. Another concept to understand is that the concept of small plates. So if you're trying to lose weight or you're trying to eat healthy, you can go on all kinds of diets. But any diet, at the end of the day, the problem with it is that it is a diet. And therefore, you are trying to tell yourself that you cannot have something that you want. And when you try to tell yourself you cannot have something that you want, it will work for a period of time. For some people, it works for a very long period of time. For most people, it works for a very short period of time, which is why the diet industry is a multi, multi-billion dollar industry because people cannot stick to a diet. I can tell you firsthand from my own experience, I've dieted successfully three times. Three times I've lost fit between 50 and 60 pounds each time. I've lost an entire person over my three diets. But each time, at some point, I stopped the diet. And within 12 to 18 months later, I was back to where I started, if not worse. Because dieting doesn't work. It works against human nature. It works against the way that we behave. So the diet industry um, came up with, or, or the, the health industry came up with something very simple. What if you just decrease the size of your plate? So if you normally eat dinner on a 9-inch plate, eat dinner on a 7-inch plate. If you normally eat on a 7-inch plate, eat on a 5-inch plate. We tend to take our plate and fill it to the brim with food. We love everything that's going on the plate, but we don't have to eat the same quantity that we're eating. 
And if we don't cut out what we're eating, but instead just change the quantity that we're eating by changing the size of the plate, essentially we're going to be eating more healthy. We're going to start losing weight just from that little change, just from changing. Now, um, obviously, if you go and take doubles, triples, quadruples, um, the size of the plate may not matter unless you're taking four helpings and you're taking four helpings of a nine inch plate and now you're taking four helpings of a seven inch plate. But you get the idea. The idea is that not changing what we're eating, but just changing the quantity by changing the size of the plate that it's on is going to automatically produce results for us. And then the last thing, the last piece of the puzzle is having a schedule. And having a schedule creates a situation where we can stop worrying about the cash situation every day. We can stop being late for paying bills because we forgot to pay them or because we let too much time go by. If we set a schedule to pay bills twice a month and we set the dates strategically so that it worked for the vendors that we have, if we set a schedule to pay bills twice a month, then every bill will get paid on time. Most of our vendors are net 30. The ones that are not probably get charged to a credit card and then we pay the credit card once a month. Um, Most bills can be paid once a month and there's enough time for when we get the bill that we'll have a cycle where we're paying bills and we'll be able to get that bill paid. So much time and productivity is lost in either doing this too frequently or not doing it enough. Um, and by creating a schedule, we're, we're making sure that it's on the calendar as an appointment. It's not, it's not interfering with anything that we would be doing because we made sure not to book anything during that time. And, and by having a set schedule for doing it, it makes sure that it gets done and gets done properly. This that I just laid out, This is the Profit First system. It's a system that uses the very behavior that you're accustomed to to fix the cash problems you face today. There's no dieting, and it just just works beautifully. It works using small plates, as you'll learn in next week's episode, by, by using multiple bank accounts to allocate the income coming into the firm to the various appropriate categories to make sure that you're not getting yourself into trouble. And I can't wait to share the details of that system with you next week. Now, before you before you leave, I have a couple of th- offers for you. First of all, I have a Profit First Cheat Sheet. It's basically this three or four page document that walks you through the entire Profit First system. You don't have to read the Profit First book I mean, I, I strongly suggest that you do, but um, you don't have to read it. Uh, you can take this cheat sheet, and with this cheat sheet, you can implement the Profit First system in your firm. I also have been given by Mike Michalowicz the first two chapters of the Profit First book to give out for free for anybody who's interested in reading the book and just wants to get started and see if this is for them. To download this, just go to profitwithlaw.com forward slash Profit First profitwithlaw.com forward slash profit first and put in your name and email address and we will send immediately send over to you 
a Prophet First cheat sheet as well as the first two chapters of the Prophet First book. Now, the second thing, just like working out in the gym, many law firm owners need a personal trainer to take them through the process. Some people only need to learn the routine and then they can do everything on their own while others need continuous guidance. Only you know which one of these people you are. Regardless, we have a program for you. At Profit with Law, we have Profit First Implementation Pods. They run for 90 days. In those 90 days, we will work together to analyze where you are today, create an 18-month plan to get to your target, and perform a quarter of Profit First allocations and your very first profit distribution. If you are interested, this is an application-only program. You can apply and see if you're a fit for our next Profit First implementation pod, simply go to ProfitWithLaw.com forward slash PF apply, like Profit First, PF apply, and complete the application. Again, ProfitWithLaw.com forward slash PF apply. And um, I hope that if uh, this resonates with you and you are struggling with this specific issue, that you do come in and at least submit an application, which means that you and I will get on the phone together and have a chat about it, see if it's right for you. And I would love to help you with implementing Profit First and getting cash under control in your law firm. Until next time, I am so excited uh, to be back next week to finish this uh, Profit First deep dive for law firms. And um, I hope you guys enjoy your week. Take care. That's it for this week's episode of Profit With Law. If you have enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with at least one person. Imagine how many lives we can change if we each shared this episode. Another way to share the episode is on social media. We appreciate your support and look forward to you joining us again next week.